Please stand once again. I'd like to read the whole chapter, but we'll just uh, begin with Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1, and then we'll skip down to 8. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab, and lodged there. Verse 8. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. We have heard what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there any remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, Swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother, and my brethren and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. We'll stop there. Heavenly Father, we ask that we might recognize the faith of Joshua, recognize the faith of these two spies, but more importantly, more particularly at this point, may we recognize the faith of Rahab. Mm. Touch hearts unto salvation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Joshua chapter 2 is one of the most captivating passages in all of the Word of God. And I simply could not skip over it going from 1 to 3. It appeals to the imagination. The chapter appeals to the heart and to the faith of the child of God. So it appeals to Christians. It might appeal to Hollywood scriptwriters. It appeals to children, virtually to everyone. And it's my prayer that it will also appeal to those who are not yet Christians. There is sin here, but there's also the grace of God. We see wisdom here and faith. I could preach this chapter using the New Testament as my text. We could go to Hebrews chapter 11 to preach about Rahab. And James takes an illustration from this chapter and puts it into his letter, which was written to the scattered saints. I hope that you will forgive me for my love of Old Testament biographies. The truth of the matter is, I love biographies. I read book after book after book of 
biographies, and then we find them in the Word of God. I know that the doctrine of salvation can be more clearly uh, taught from the New Testament. It's, it's systematic there. But many of the Old Testament saints are clear pictures of New Testament doctrine. Yes. Some of them are types. Some of them are illustrations of Christ. Or they are illustrations of New Testament believers. But in the case of Rahab, this is no illustration. This is no type. She is the real deal. Yep. Rahab was saved by the grace of God, physically and spiritually. Generally speaking, she is like every other rescued soul. And then again, because we are all individuals, there are specifics that belong only to her. Joshua sent two men across the Jordan River to evaluate the strength and the defenses of Canaan. They went a little ways into the land and then they came back to Jericho. Knowing the prior history of Israel, we can assume that Joshua was care very careful when he selected these two spies. Joshua made the selection himself. That wasn't left up to the leadership of the 12 tribes as it had been 40 years earlier, which ended in total disaster. They were commissioned to take special notes as they moved about the, the edge of the land of Canaan, taking particular notice of Jericho. This was the first major obstacle to occupying the land which God had promised to give to Abraham and his descendants. Jericho was a well-fortified community. It was well-stocked. It was on the frontier of the nation. It was the first step into the heartland of Canaan. It probably, being in the valley of the Jordan there, probably they had wells. They could stay within their walls for a great long time. They could do Israel great harm. All of this was noted by the spies. Some commentators criticize Israel for sending out these two intelligence officers, these spies. They say it was a lack of faith on Joshua's part. Maybe so, but basically I disagree. Joshua had the, the precedence of what took place 40 years earlier when God told Moses to send these spies into the land. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. For every tribe of their fathers ye shall send one man. Everyone a ruler among them. And I notice in those words given to Moses so long before, I give you this land. So the land is yours. Don't worry about these spies. God had promised a place for Israel just as he has promised a place for us. He's gone to prepare a place for us. Already there's a parallel between Israel and Rahab and us in the New Testament. And besides, going back to Joshua, 
Faith does not necessarily require blind acts of stupidity or ignorance. It doesn't hurt to know the best path from Jericho into the highlands above it. It doesn't hurt to know uh, whether or not there are strengths and weaknesses in the walls of Jericho. We can, we can measure these sorts of things and, and act upon them. It is not unbelief to trust God to keep us safe during the night while we lock the front door before we go to bed. It is not unbelief to trust God to give us our daily bread, but then for us to go and get a good education and find a good job to bring the income in. It's not disbelief, unbelief. And then finally, there's the undeniable blessing of the contact that these men had with Rahab. That would not have taken place if Joshua had not felt in, in his heart that the Lord wanted these two spies to go across the Jordan into the land. If those two unnamed rena, uh, reconnaissance officers had not stealthily crept into Jericho, the foreordained means for the salvation of Rahab would not have been complete. Impossible? The Lord was going to save this woman. There was no doubt about that. But the means for her salvation are just as foreordained as the outcome. So as we see here, the spies entered Jericho. And their trained eyes quickly learned about the city's strengths and weaknesses. And it was a strong city. There's no doubt about that. But before they could slip back out the gates... They were closed. They were trapped. They were trapped like a couple of mice with hundreds of cats and owls and snakes looking for them. They were in trouble. In that precarious position, God providentially led them to the only person in the city who could help them, Rahab. She saved their lives and they played an evangelistic part in her salvation. With that information in the background, we can step into the marvelous world of the grace of Almighty God. Rahab was a harlot. First, we notice that God gets specific about our sins. He doesn't dodge our condition. And we shouldn't try to do it either. This woman was a whore. She was an adulteress. When something is black, God says it is black. When someone is worshiping, worshiping a, a, a three-foot idol saying, that is Jehovah, God sends his prophets along and says, that is idolatry. Just because someone can't see what he is doing as sin, the omniscient God does, and he declares it. You're a sinner. But oh, how our natural inclination is to rebel against such revelations. We don't want to make the admissions that the Bible makes for us. What are you calling me a sinner for? 
What I have done is nothing more than a minor mistake in my life. Yes, what I said yesterday was a lie. But it was a white lie, not a black lie. So it's not really a sin. Don't you dare call me a sinner. It's against our nature to admit that the religion that we have been in for the last uh, 30 years of our lives is not of God. Oh, it's got to be of God. My grandma was in that religion. We all know how good a person she was. Some Jewish Bible commentators say that Rahab was an innkeeper. These two went to her house because they needed a place to hide and to stay for the night. She ran a hotel. They see, these Jewish commentators see, that she becomes a part of the lineage of King David, who is in the lineage of the Messiah. So they try to sanitize her. But the fact of her sin and the nature of her sin were apparent to everybody else. This is Rahab the harlot. Perhaps she did run a hotel. What kind of hotel was it? Another question is, was she still practicing that trade for which she's been named? That Rahab was working with flax, when we read the context, indicates that perhaps she was not. She was no longer trying to sell her body. Flax is and was a plant from which several important products could be produced. It could be made into strips and woven into cloth like linen. The virtuous woman at the end of Proverbs chapter 31 was commended for her handiwork in flax. This woman is working with flax. And from there, she may have become a seamstress making clothes. Or maybe she collected the seeds off the flax and made an oil that she was selling. She may not have been a harlot at all. But then someone says, if Rahab was now honestly employed, why is she still called Rahab the harlot? Because it's common among wretched human beings to make sure that the ghosts of our past never really go away. We want, to be, we want people to remember what that person was like. It's just the way we are. Some will never let us forget the mistakes we made in our youth. The sins that we committed back then. For example, Simon the leper in Matthew 26 had been cured. But he was still Simon the leper. Everybody knew him that way. It was his title. Even though it was no longer a part of his body, it was a part of his name. And harlot was Rahab's title. But I personally believe she was no longer in that industry. And yet, saying that, Rahab was still a sinner. She was still a sinner. Yes. We're told so with one word. The fact of her sinfulness does not need to be magnified any more than that one word. She's a sinner. And similarly, it shouldn't take too much to convince any of us 
Now we are sinners too. Yes, the first time I heard the gospel, the preacher did not need to dwell on the fact that David Oldfield was a wretched sinner. Because I knew that. All he had to do is give me a verse or two and I would have to agree with that. And I think that recognition is a part of the evidence that God is moving in a person's heart. If, if someone has to be conjoled, if someone has to be convinced that they need to be converted, they're not ready to be converted. We should all be overjoyed to accept God's generic statements about our sinfulness. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Thank you, Lord, for not getting specific about some of those things that I've done. All we like sheep have gone astray. We are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I'm glad that there's not an old field comma description of my sin that everyone gives to me. Rahab the harlot, Oldfield the sinner are in the same class. There's really very little difference between her and me. And the penalty for our sins is exactly the same no matter what words are put into our yes. title. Yes. For adultery, the Bible penalty was death. Leviticus 20 and verse number 10. But the penalty for the rest of our sins is not any different. The wages of sin is death. Yes. Romans 6.23 Wherefore as by one sin came... One man, sin came into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 5.12 The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Whether their name is Rahab, or Ahab, or Sir Galahad, it doesn't matter. But then, Rahab heard the message of God's judgment, and she applied it to herself. Rahab said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and your terror is fallen upon us, and, all that the, all, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. We heard what you did to Sion and Og. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. She said to the spies, I know that Jehovah has given you this land. I know that you possess the blessings of God. While me, my race, my fellow citizens flounder around awaiting God's judgment. I have heard of God's blessings on you and I have heard about God's judgments on sinners like myself, like me. Perhaps this should remind the Christian that people need to hear what's gone on in your life. Tell people about the joys of your salvation. Yes. Including the peace that the Lord has given you. Like Otis Robinson, Richardson, whatever his name was a few minutes ago. 
Give them the facts about heaven and speak about your hope in the second coming of Christ. In a society which is so filled with various kinds of escapism, why not use that? Here is an escape. This one works. You can get outside the walls of this Jericho. You can get in among the people of Israel. Rahab said, I have heard how your God dried up the Red Sea and redeemed Israel out of Egypt. It's very similar to us giving our testimony of how the Lord saved me out of my sinfulness. Christ Jesus was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was laid upon him. Christ hath redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for me as he hung upon the cross. Rahab heard that others had partaken of the Lord's grace, and she wanted it too. She was hungry for it. It's our job to whet people's appetites by repeating what the Lord has done for us. Yes, amen. And living in the joy which that peace and salvation provide. She also said, I know that God is angry with me. I know what God intends to do with the Canaanites, just as he's done with, with the uh, uh, Zion and Og. Those two kings died because of their resistance against the uh, progress of Israel toward the land of Canaan. Perhaps they were zealous in their own faith, Zion and Og. I'm sure they had their own religions. But just because someone is religious doesn't mean that they're right before God. Right. They need new hearts. Christendom is filled with deadly deviations from the pure and simple gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Zion and Og, every soul who rejects the only means to forgiveness in the Lord will utterly perish. Only he that believeth, only, on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. You have not Christ, you have not God. Israel was carrying Christ, so to speak. And this woman saw that. Rahab knew she was a sinner and in trouble. In trouble with the Lord. And yet... God had made forgiveness and acceptability to her. Tying these things together, she was convinced to turn to the Lord. She said, our hearts melted in fear of Jehovah. I see that it's futile for us to fight against Israel. I won't trust in anything but uh, what... Uh, you have in, in your God. My trust is not in science. My trust is not in my priests. It's not in our military. What can they do? They're sinners just like I am. I won't place my, my future in the muddy waters of that creek where, where my priests have been baptizing people. We need God's healing and he's the only one who can save yes, us. Amen. This is the need of modern Americans, as well as ancient Jerichoans. God knows our religious professions. 
But he also knows the real nature of our hearts and its many corruptions. He knows that by nature we deserve to die the second death, the eternal death. The Lord is in his holy temple. His eyes, behold, his eyelids try the, the children of men. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They're all gone aside. They're all together become unprofitable, filthy. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Rahab was convinced and convicted of her need. And the only answer she could see was in the God of these two people that were in her house, on the roof of her home. But perhaps, as far as her soul was concerned, she was already saved by faith before she ever met the spies. She testifies of hearing all that's necessary to redemption. I've heard of my my need of salvation. I've heard of your grace. I've heard of the power of your God. Perhaps she was saved before she ever spoke to the evangelists. From here, this woman merely asked for physical salvation. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye also showed kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, that you may save my father and my mother and my brother and my sisters and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Is prayer necessary for salvation? The Bible teaches that the answer is no, with some qualifications. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. There's no reference in that scripture to prayer for salvation. Nowhere in the Bible do we read, For by prayer are you saved through faith, or by grace are you saved through prayer. Trust. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That is, put your trust, your entire dependence upon the Lord who gave his life for the purpose of saving souls. Faith. Trust in Christ as your substitution. Christ is the means by which we are delivered from sin. Rahab became a saint of God by believing the promise of God. That's how any sinner can become a saint. And in our day and age, we look back to the cross with Christ hanging there, shedding his blood as the Passover lamb. But that faith has to be built on the foundation of a broken heart. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. No one will truly turn to the Savior who is not convinced there is no alternative but the Savior. As long as people want to add things to their faith in Christ, faith plus works, baptism, ceremonies, he proves that he's not truly a child of God. Could Rahab have become a a child of God, if she never confessed her faith to the spies? 
She didn't need the spies to confess her need to the Lord. But they gave her the opportunity to witness to her faith, of her faith. If that woman's repentance and faith in the Lord were genuine, I'd have to say that the spies were unnecessary to her conversion. But I will say this. Her confession to the spies and her assistance of the spies gave evidence of her changed heart. She wasn't like the rest of the people in Jericho. We might say that by her testimony and her help, she displayed the fruits of repentance. If any man, if any man, any man or woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I've already used a Bible term much confused by modern Christendom, conversion. Most people believe that it refers to changing religions. A Protestant becoming Catholic or a Catholic becoming a Methodist or something like this. No. Biblically speaking, it refers to becoming a new creature yes. in Christ. From a sinner to a saint in the sight of the Lord. There are so many people today asking Jesus to come into their hearts and to save them, but they do not want to be converted. They do not want to change. They make a profession of needing God in order to avoid the judgment that's going to fall in the city of Jericho, but there's no desire for a new heart, no indication of a new life, no desire to become or, or join the, the people of Israel. Rahab, on the other hand, was truly converted. She had given up her adultery, spiritual and otherwise. Her opinion about Israel and about God was 180 degrees different from what it had been a year earlier. She was willing to let Jehovah be the Lord of her life. She risked her life to assist the spies and to save their mission. She was willing to accept persecution from the people in her community, if that was necessary. She yearned for the salvation of other people, particularly her family. She forsook the gods that she had been serving. She was willing to forsake her own nation and people if they continued to refuse Jehovah. There, there are a dozen or more great changes in this person's life, indicating she's no longer the person that she once was. This great woman of courage, wisdom, and faith became a great mother in Israel. Yes. Rahab eventually married a man named Salmon, and he became the great-grandfather of King David. So she was therefore in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And how did this come about? Rahab the harlot knew that she was going to die under God's judgment. But she humbled herself before the Lord and repented of her sins. She clung by faith to the Lord, trusting him to deliver her. These spies didn't become her priests. They didn't absolve her of sin. 
They're only witnesses to what she said. Received what she did. The proof of her repentance and faith can be seen in her genuine service and her worship of the Lord. Our needs are not one iota different from Rahab's. Our world, like hers, is under the condemnation of sin and judgment is on its way. The wrath of God is coming. We need to be like Rahab. Examine whether or not you have the same kind of faith that she had. Humble yourself before God. In the sight of the Almighty, acknowledge that you are a hell-deserving sinner. We all are and shall ever be deserving of that, except by the grace of God. Simply trust the Lord Jesus to cleanse you of your guilt. Take away the judgment that you deserve. Leave the work of salvation entirely to him. She just laid herself out there and said, save me. Save me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's simple.